he's doing this sermon on the mountain. He's just like, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. And then it's just like, and then it just shows like he gets this premonition of him just like, just drowning people in their own blood, slaying them like a motherfucker. And then it goes back and he's like, kind of like short circuits a bit. And then he tries to get back into his peace talk. I think, He's like that'd be cool. He like flashes to like him waist deep in the collective <laughs> blood and guts soup of humanity, just punching it. <laughs> With the uh, what's the O Sleeper song? I don't know, it's but I'm sold on this movie idea. Like I, Wait, I'm here that, in LA. That's your next movie. I live right next to the Netflix buildings. So I can walk over there and be like, pitch it. They green light the shit out of. They stuff, absolutely, so. yeah. No, they have endless money and no ideas of their own. So I could just start doing that punching thing you were doing. I'm like Jesus punching into. <laughs> waist deep blood what do you think and they're like can you do nine seasons um i think they'll write me a check in the lobby Welcome to another episode of Growing Up Christian. I'm Sam. I'm Casey. And Casey, this week, I I guess I posted it on Twitter, I think, but it just kind of got me thinking about um, uh, the, an experience of uh, the last time that somebody asked me to pray out loud. And I don't know, do you have like a, do you have a, I, I remember the last time someone asked me to do that feeling? I definitely blessed like a pork tenderloin. At some point a couple of years ago, I think. Oh, really? <laughs> it was like a family get together. Somehow I got volunteered for it. I like, I don't really mind, but it does feel weird because I, mean, I don't have, like, I have no feelings towards it. But yeah, it's like I, a it little just brief doesn't feel monologue. right. Like, I'm not the person to do that. You know, it feels disrespectful. Yeah. <laughs> do you think people ask you to do it? Well, I guess two years ago, people weren't really thinking too much about where you stood. Uh, do you think anyone would ask you to do it now? I doubt that. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely <laughs> doubt that. Unless it's meant to make me uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a little while for me, but um I used to be the one who would, you know, at like family gatherings, uh, you know, Thanksgiving or some holiday, like God uh, Sam. You would you volunteer yourself. No, no. I wouldn't volunteer myself. <laughs> even no, but even when I was the guy who should have maybe been doing it, uh, and I could have legitimate done it legitimately sincerely i still wouldn't have volunteered because i'm i'm not that kind of a guy i don't volunteer for stuff like that but i would be asked sometimes like hey sam why don't you do it and i'm like all right and then i'd you know feel a little weird about it but i'd, I'd take it away as best i could and especially as like i started shifting but i'll i do the last time i really remember being asked specifically was um so as everybody who's listening or who has been listening for a little while knows i do i, I go to a church uh, and I've been on like, I don't know, it's hard to call it like we're small and it's hard to call it an elder board or anything like You're that. You're a deacon? It just like I, I'm there to help make decisions, I guess, for the church and offer my input and people think it matters. But how, you get to you get to vote on how much money they spend on a anti-abortion billboards. Yeah. I, on uh, how much money we donate to Planned Parenthood. You're just like all of it. I'm trying to get home. Yeah. <laughs> But um, this guy who is also on, so it was a mixed group of people, um, all in different places and had different versions of faith. And um, and the guy, I, I really sincerely love 
it, or loved everyone who was on it. A lot of those people aren't maybe around anymore, but no, they they just aren't, don't go anymore. <laughs> I mean, they didn't pass. Um, but I, they're they're all great people, and um, and the one who asked who asked me to, he was like, "Hey, Sam, why don't why don't you close us in prayer?" And I was just like, "No, I don't, I don't think so." And he's like, "What? That's just not my thing. I'm just not going to do that." It was just complete silence for like probably three seconds, and uh, the pastor just kind of laughs a little bit, and he's like why don't you take it away to the guy who asked me? <laughs> He's like, oh, oh yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> it's like, it was a strange, it was, I, it was the first time I had like the balls to just be like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Don't ask me to do that. That's not something, but it's a weird thing because that is something you ask. That's something that people do in that world. I I, I feel like thinking back to the evangelical days, that's kind of like an honor in some way. I'm going to ask this guy to, and you're like, oh yeah, let me do it. Yeah. It is weird how like a lot of it feels kind of like obligatory, like praying before meals and stuff like that. I don't know, you know, praying in Panera bread when your food comes out. So everyone around you can hear. Yeah, (laughs) that's a great time to bust out some tongues. Yeah, (laughs) I'm going to I want to start swearing in my I'm going to do that, but swear in my prayers. (laughs) See how people handle that. Like, oh, God, thank you so much for this fucking food. People are like what? <laughs> we just get into some really personal information. Yeah, I just want to thank you, know. you for this chicken catch, Tori, and please, Lord, help uh, mom's rash to go away. Uh, it <laughs> makes it very uncomfortable for her to sit down. Forgive me for masturbating in the bathroom uh, right before this food came out and not washing my hands after. Uh, <laughs> As you, you as you pass the that. bucket of rolls <laughs> <Yeah>. around, <laughs> I do really like the idea. This would be a fun game to play, and if you decide to do this, uh, write us a note. But do like, like we'll call it blessing blocker. So anytime someone is about to say a prayer publicly in a group, you cut in before they start. So like, so whoever it is, like your dad <laughs> or whoever is like, all right. Uh, yeah, let's let's bow our heads and like right as he takes that inhale breath, you know, because everybody's like, <gasps> like before they start, you just yeah. bust in and be like, "Precious Lord, Heavenly Father, Father God," yeah. <laughs> just just like stomp on it right out the gates and steal it, steal the show. That's it's funny because I know <laughs> so even in that situation for me, like I am in a church with people who probably mostly everyone in that room doesn't have any real issue praying out loud with people but i hadn't in a long time and it's funny because even i had started having this shift uh while i was at this church and uh, so i'm uh, being part of this group i you know there's always like that you know this is going on like everyone should be praying like everyone be in prayer for this or that so one of the at one point i was just like sat down with my friend the pastor and i was like i just so you know, like, I don't want to be here and not be like sincere about this or not be what you think this should be about, but I'm not doing that. I don't, I don't get those emails and think about pray. Like, I just don't really do that anymore in that way. So I just, I want to just be honest about, he's just like, yeah, that's fine. It doesn't matter. So, and then as far as like praying in a group goes, like at some point it hit me that you just don't have to do that. And I, I, I guess what I think is f- even almost funny about it is it feels like Jesus was kind of against it. <laughs> He's just like, yeah, you just go by yourself. Oh, you're doing it in public. It's 
that seems like it's for other people that and maybe you shouldn't be. That's what I mean is like, like if you're obligated to pray, like praying seems like a really personal thing. Yeah. That you do when you feel led to do it. Cause I mean, okay. I remember being like younger and youth group and stuff like that. And there was a lot of talk about how you should pray constantly. Like you should always pray without ceasing brother. Yeah. Sorry. The only thing I do without ceasing is masturbate. I'm 14 years old. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you got that on the brain on the brain today. I know a lot of masters. Do you, do you need to excuse yourself, or <laughs> this this guilt from earlier? Yeah, no, I'm. I, this is my confession time. <laughs> but yeah, like they would they would really push you to do that or encourage you to do that as if like that was what was wrong. Like you're not feeling it, you don't feel led, you don't understand the voice of God in your life right now, or know what He wants you to do. Like you yeah. should probably be praying. And it's like such a weird thing to think about, like forcing yourself to pray like, uh, OK, well, I I know I should. So and then I don't know, yeah. I would always like get lost in the middle, like I would lose focus and trail off, you know, in the middle of my prayer. And pretty soon I'm just like thinking about something totally different or whatever. And I don't know. It's just a weird thing. It's like that that frame of thought is like really focused on. It's it's really not focused on like the personalized aspect of it. Like, yeah, like you need to do, you know, this needs to be based on what you feel like. If you feel like praying, then you should pray. Absolutely. But if you don't, like, don't force yourself to do it. But then again, you know, people do that with like meditation too. like, you know, they make a point of like setting aside time to meditate or. Right. But then the difference know, would be is I, a deal. I think the difference is like um but because i think prayer and meditation can be the same and carry the same amount of value um but like not so much in that in that public if it carries value for you sure some people might really get and i probably i did too i I mean i used to go to this prayer group and i felt it did a lot for me at the time that i was involved in it and everyone you'd pray for each other and people would pray for you and it felt i don't know it, it was moving in a lot of ways for me and to try to like unpack that is sometimes tough. Cause it's like that did move me at the time. Uh, and now I look back on it and I'm like, I just, I don't think, I don't think whatever it is that we call God works that way. So like, Oh God, let me pray for this person's sickness to be healed. Or like, I just don't, I don't think, I don't really think magical things are happening. Uh, that, that part of it didn't make any sense back then. But you kind of felt guilty if you thought about it that way. But yeah, I always you, struggle with that. Like, mm-hmm. are we just like, if we ask God enough, will he make so-and-so's cancer go away? Like, what what is it that we're, are we trying to convince him right now to do that? Like, yeah, well, dude, I mean, did people ever bring up the, um, like the passages in like the Old Testament where it's like Abraham changed God's mind by praying or whatever, or Moses changed like uh what was it before uh god destroyed sodom and gomorrah he's like if there's one righteous person there god you know all the pleading with god in the old testament and sometimes god changing god's mind from it you're like i remember reading that and being like wait a second does god change his mind and it's like well no because it says here that he definitely did it says that it says and god changed his mind and we're literalists right we take this literally don't we yeah, but what it actually means is, and then that that then should have been when literalism I realized was 
bullshit. It's just no one is. No one's a strict literalist through and through. They just selectively literalist. Yeah, you really can't be. There's too many things in there that just don't line up. And and then yeah. it turns into like these really lengthy explanations. And now you have to kind of explain away certain passages. That's what I always like struggle with, with like the Calvinism versus Arminianism thing. Free will stuff. Yeah. It's like when I finally like decided I was done trying to figure that out and think about it, like after I had ruined friendships and <laughs> myself, uh, I remember thinking like, you have to explain away so many verses to to justify a hard stance on either side of this thing. Like there's yeah. verses that literally say the opposite of what either of these viewpoints are think are talking about. And that's the point at which you have to just be like, well, I, don't, I guess maybe in heaven I can ask Jesus about it. What he meant by that. Dude, I, I remember listening to an old mark i mentioned this in um, an old episode uh, an episode we did a while ago might have been when we talked to john steingart i'll bring it up now because it's been a bit but i remember listening to mark driscoll sermons when i was at Lib- uh because i hadn't you were curious how hard fully... you could hit your future kids in the face yeah i know i wanted to know how to you know force my wife to submit and that maybe she didn't want to i could figure out how to make her you know that's exactly <laughs> that's the stuff that i was in um no, but he, his whole thing was like, uh, let me like, he, he's like, oh, you draw, draw two columns and then, you know, you write down all the, all the verses that, uh, that seem to support like a, like a predestination thing. You don't have free will. And then, oh, and then another, in the other column, you write all the verses out that seem to back up free will. And there's just, there's just a lot more verses that support predestination. So that's really, of course, you know, he's one of those. It. And you're like, okay, so that's how it is. You you take the Bible, supposedly the word of God, and you just line up how many times it says one thing and then stick with whichever column has them. It's like some shitty pros and cons list before you decide whether or not you want to get engaged to somebody. Yeah, that guy sucks. Oh, yeah. It's I like mean, everything he did sucked. Oh. I mean, all four things that I've heard about. Yeah, I mean, that's there. there's not a lot. I mean, he did. He sucked pretty bad. And I even started before I even shifted out because uh, I'm trying to think I must have been like 20, like 20 when I was listening to some of Mark Driscoll's sermons. And after a little while, after probably like 12 of them, I was like, this guy's a I don't know. This guy's a little much. Uh, he seems like it just felt very when when I guess that's what it is with a lot of these big pastor types uh when it feels more like you're watching a performance than you're watching someone just authentically tell you things they believe in that can be that could potentially help you you're just like this is a this seems like a joke no like you're you're not a pastor you're a performer all you it's like you you like the reaction he loves the bad press he eats that shit up and that's how a lot of them are they they all uh, greg Locke, all these big ones that like you just keep seeing them pop up because they say shitty things it's oh my god dude we get it you just like it when people get mad at the things you say while your congregation claps and then yeah it's pathetic i tell it like it is i'm blunt yeah. i mean the i call worst. them like i see them like yeah okay. just shut up dude yeah the worst personality type are people i don't want to hear any sermons this. but i will watch carl lentz bend over yeah Sure. He, he he used to always have the top of his he would have the top of his butt crack hanging out. It was like his jeans were tight, so it'd just like hug his cheeks together, and you'd see the top of his butt crack. And 
People I love miss him. I know his congregation. <laughs> but what are they going to do without him? I mean, who, who is their pastor now? I haven't heard of any sex scandals. I haven't heard of anyone showing off their cum gutters. I haven't heard of there's so much that I haven't heard about that makes me think that that's a boring place to go to church. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty boring. And you know, to be honest, like Carl's best work was in Far Cry. Yeah. <laughs> Five, of course. Just yeah. Yeah. Clear. That was the one, right? As, they uh, had to have modeled hit that character after him. Yeah. He even had the glasses. Um, yeah. He's kind of like Carl Lentz meets uh, David Koresh. What was his name in uh, what was the name of the of him in Far Cry 5? Uh, Jimmy Savile? No. No. Oh, OK. <laughs> anyway, doesn't matter. I feel like they just really nailed it. I feel like the name even felt like, yeah, that's the name of a guy who starts. A- Not to our boy. I, I, I'd like to see a new cult form and get in on like ground level not get in not not participate in it but just like oh i you see it and you start watching it that way you know you have all the insight and you can really just see how things play out well if you get in early like true crime you can skirt the rules you know like you could administer beatings instead of being beaten oh getting beaten is the best part though yeah what 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 cult do you think would be the most fun to Mm, be in like that i know of or just that of like currently or like anywhere I don't know. I don't. I feel like you would be great in Nexium. Okay. Why? It's real like warm, fuzzy. We're all becoming better people. It seems like that could be. You could. You could get in on that. But how do I get abused? What's the abuse? Well, you're a man. You don't get abused. Okay. So I get That's... to. I get to abuse. Is that what you're saying? I think only the one guy really got to abuse, and a couple of the women, you know, got to abuse. But I think you're kind of a bystander in that okay. one but at well, least you're sure. like you get to eat food uh is next the one that like celebrities compound. were caught up in yeah yeah the, yeah the dude who woman from so. smallville yeah i i just read actually i it finally clicked i i recently read an article about that uh she did some fucked up shit yeah she's the oh worst. my god yeah i i don't remember it enough to re- like to say it here, but I, I'm recalling this article now where it's like she was basically like the groomer. She branded people. Yeah. Like she branded people with the douchebag at the top's initials. I can't remember what his name is. And they, but the, she told them that those initials stood for something else. And then she would like groom them for him and bring them in for him to have sex with them. Right. Yeah. She kind of like Keith Ranieri. Yeah. Like K- if you're not familiar R. with this cult with Nexium, it's NXIU. Or no, NXIVM is the uh, thing. It's basically like Amway if it turned into, you know, uh, uh, an exploitative sex cult, which Amway might be. It might be. You know? We I mean, just we haven't don't heard know. about it yet. We're waiting yeah. for that bomb to drop. <laughs> but, I, I, you know, the problem with cults is like, if you look at pictures of the leader. Everyone looks so happy. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But like, if you look at pictures of the leader. Most of the time you look at it and you're like, I don't get like, I feel like I just wouldn't care what this person had to say. Like, so you only care about what people have to say based on what they look like. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, that's precisely it. Thank you. I, more people need to be saying this. So I appreciate your candor and your honesty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's it's kind of the reverse of what you would think. Like the better looking you are, the more I really don't want to listen to. Oh, uh, Yeah. Because yeah. you, because it just feels too unattainable. You want someone who looks more like you. Exactly. Yeah. 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 
I want a fixer upper. <laughs> I want a fixer upper cult leader, somebody dumpy. Like Jim Jones is kind of dumpy. I mean, I could see it. He's a little noisy for my taste. But Keith Raniere just looks like such a, like a, a wibbly chode. <laughs> I really just don't. Even I don't know what he looks at like. Him, I'm, I'm like, I'm going to look him up after this. Uh, I don't know what this he, guy looks okay. like. He looks like he would. Okay, who? where would he work based on how he looks? I could see him being like a floor manager at Sharper Image. Okay. Okay. Like, and like he he corrects his employees like publicly in front of customers on purpose oh, like, and scolds them a little bit. Yeah, a like, little finger wagging. He's going to talk to you about the fact that he saw you sitting in one of the massage chairs. Okay. Okay. Well, sounds like you uh have this guy pinned down. Yeah. Yeah. That's him. All right. Anywho. Yeah. One more topic we're going to touch on before we get out of here. Casey and I are going on vacation next week. Uh, well, so when this comes out, we'll be on vacation and y'all can eat our butts because we're going to be enjoying our lives and you'll be at work. Uh, but we eat our uh, butts like we're Carl Lentz. Yeah. <laughs> eat our braided butt hairs because we're going to be on the beach getting our butt hairs braided. Um, waxes for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, OK, Kirk Franklin. Everyone knows Franklin, gospel singer extraordinaire. It was like his. Uh, so this a recent article I just read. It was uh, his. I'll just read the title. Kirk Franklin's estranged son, Carrion, arrested while driving the car of a missing woman. Missing a woman and presumed who is dead. Presumed dead. Yep. And I was just a little surprised by that because the uh, Franklins have made their way into the news a couple of times in the past year. Uh, towards the end of last year, it was like what his son his son like went to the tabloids to talk about how abusive kirk franklin was he like um, leaked a phone call of his dad cussing at him yeah what what did he say specifically i want to find it because it was pretty funny he said uh carrion released a leaked video of his father using profanity lace threatening language against him, calling him up calling him a bitch ass and threatening to break his fucking neck and i just kind of want to be called a bitch ass from kirk franklin because his voice is just Mm, it's, it's great and i feel like i want to hear him say that uh but it has also, like some power behind it yeah bitch ass i can hear him saying that and i like it uh, i i like it i'm sorry to his son who felt uh, emotionally abused but come on uh also the i, I appreciate his ode to uh buster rhymes come on dude you're gonna be offended because your dad's quoting buster rhymes lyrics to you it's just sad <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, Carrion says that this is all a setup, and uh, he was wrongfully arrested. Wrongfully arrested for what? Uh, he was stopped while allegedly driving a car belonging to a woman who was reported mad. Like, if He's you're dead. driving this person's car and nobody knows where she is and they think she's dead, it's a really hard sell for you to be like, it's a setup. Unless what? Maybe he bought it from somebody. With okay, like, well, so yes, there's cash. All of that. Apparently, the thing that I just read said that they pulled him over for a broken taillight. And of course, Classic. when they ran the plates, I would argue that his taillight wasn't even broken. I bet it wasn't. Everyone. Well, that's that like the number one reason easy thing to refute. That's the number one thing people get pulled over for when cops are just like, we should pull this guy. Hey, your taillight's out. OK. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. So <laughs> we'll see. But uh, yeah, he claims that. He bought the car from this lady like a year ago, and he's like, I don't think she's dead because I've I've met her before. 
So I cool. don't know where I, I feel like he's still like kind of building his alibi because it sounds yeah. pretty weak at the moment. It, and it sounds like it's getting worse for him because uh, police also found a firearm in the car and Carrion obviously insists that the gun isn't his and, and he has no connection. So I don't know if, if you, you if buy, you a, buy car a car from somebody and you just, Oh, it just happens to still have a gun in it. Maybe if you, if you buy a car from somebody a year ago, like there's a lot of things that are problematic there. Like what did you never do a title transfer? I mean, you right. never like did the paperwork on the sale. Because uh, the, the plates, plates are to be expired. <laughs> yeah, like the plates are either in his. Well, they would be in the lady's name. You know, if he never went through with the sale, then he's driving around with her plates, which have to be expired if he did it a year ago. So they'll be able to quickly see if she's renewed her plates. You know, within the last year. I don't know. It doesn't sound good for him. No, it's not looking great, but I don't know. You don't want to necessarily assume we live. The beauty of America is we live in a country where you are innocent until proven, especially if you're a 34 year old black man. So uh, thank you, <laughs> American justice system, for we allowing us to have faith that this is going to play out just right. Like it doesn't well, look great. We get to hear what he has to say. <laughs> they didn't kill him right off the bat. They didn't. That's great. They did not put uh, no. I, so far, uh, I haven't heard anything about cops putting their knee into the back of his neck. Uh, there so was something good. about resisting arrest in the uh, article that I was reading, but it didn't really, really have any details about it or anything. But I feel like, you know, just saying like, I disagree <laughs> with this, uh, this course of action that I think that counts as resistance. It does. Nowadays. Dude, like, cause if you watch like cops and shit and they go to some like, like trailer park where some dude in a wife beater was just kicking the shit out of his wife and the cops try to come in and take him. He's just like, this is my fucking property. You don't have any right to come on my fucking property. And they're just like, oh, calm down, sir. Calm down. Okay. Come on, sir. Come on. No, you got to come with us. And it's like, that's not resisting arrest. But then a black guy is just like, I didn't do anything. They're like, Kill him! And then <laughs> it's like, oh shit, this escalated quickly. It's amazing how much restraint people have when there's cameras on them. Yeah. By the resistance to body cameras, it's a little concerning. It is. I know. I, that's why it's so funny about the solution. Uh, the problem is we need to get body cam all these cars, and that'll help. Well, it hasn't because they have, they're impervious to cell phone footage. That's clear at this point they don't care when 15 people are recording them execute somebody in public i don't know that the body the funny thing is too when they come to and they have that moment of clarity they just like try to find a way to like trash the body cam footage it's like oh it broke something's not working right You're like major red flag <laughs> dude i think it was the last season of eric andre did you see that skit that he did where he ran into the cell phone store he's dressed as a cop no. he runs into the cell phone store and he's like Hey man, um, do you know how to do you know how to erase footage on one of these? The guy's like, I don't know. And he's like, change, trade me clothes, trade me clothes. Come on, come on, just trade me clothes. <laughs> it's just like panicking in the cell phone store. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, obviously we're making jokes, but it, it situations like this are rough because, uh, well, I mean, there's obviously it's more high profile, but he might have. He might have a reasonable alibi on this whole thing, but at first glance, it doesn't look too good. We'll wait it to doesn't. see what he has to say before we start, you know. I want to know what Kirk Franklin sentences. has to say about this. Kirk Franklin's going to blame it on him gonna being be like, by. Can I get a witness? Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, 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 yeah. I think if that's I how that looks down. If it, that's what maybe he won't because he's like, just put my worst son in jail, please. Yeah, <laughs> I think it, what's going to happen is they're going to call. He's going to get subpoenaed to like show up in court to testify for or against his son, and he's going to refuse to do it without a choir behind. And that would be beautiful. Yeah, obviously. I, well, not obviously. I think there's some stuff going on in this family. It doesn't sound ideal or healthy. No, they don't so, seem like they have their shit together. Uh, based on what I've read, they seem it, dysfunctional to say the least. If this goes to trial, I'm sure there will be a lot of details that that come out. So we'll just have to see. Hopefully, this lady is is uh, is not dead, and she pops up. Yeah, she just that shows would be up. Best case like, scenario, it's fine. We're good. Everything's fine. Maybe they're secret lovers, and they were eloping, but someone didn't want them to be together, and they have. So she's been hiding, and he. Took her car out to get some groceries. All one big misunderstanding. I'm not sure what the gun has to do with anything, but maybe huh, you know she had a license to carry and left it in there. he's afraid of coyotes. There's so many good reasons to not know why you have a gun in your car. <laughs> what if you forget your keys and you can't shoot the lock out unless you have a gun with you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. We're going to close out of here because we have a lot of shit to do, but... Our guest coming up is Tyler Eaton. Tyler was great. Uh, I got connected with Tyler actually through uh, our former guest, Alyssa Sabo, because Tyler's working on a movie. Yeah, he's the writer and director. He was crowdfunding it. We talk about it being crowdfunded in, in this episode, but it's fully funded now. Uh, he's working on a movie called Mysterious Ways, uh, and it's kind of just like a youth group. It's like a comedy horror uh, and a... He kind of gets he'll he'll break it down in some detail, but basically like kind of like a Pentecostal youth group. One of the cool popular kids gets demon possessed when they're trying to do some sort of I don't know. I think it was like I think the premise is they're the they're recreating youth, like a a dance from a popular book series. It's supposed to be like a satanic dance or something yeah, like that to show he you why it's silly it. and it ridiculous. Sounds pretty great. It and sounds someone, like Evil Dead set in a youth. Yeah. Group. So someone accidentally gets possessed and then try, starts killing all the kids in the YouTube. So, uh, but Alyssa is going to, to be in that. And Tyler is the writer and director for this movie. And he was great. He talks about, you know, obviously his life, uh, his love, well, his former love, but still, I'm sure it's still hanging on for the uh, left behind movies, which have a lot to do with uh, the inspiration, not left behind movies, sorry, the books. He read all the left behind books when he was a kid. And it, it has a lot that plays a big part in, the inspiration for this movie. So Tyler was great. Uh, I am incredibly excited for mysterious ways to come out. I contributed to the film in the name of growing up Christian. Uh, so you'll see us in the credits, bitch. When these things, uh, well, when it finally comes out, which is pretty cool. And, uh, so yeah, uh, enjoy our conversation with, ah, before that, listen, we never say this. We always forget to say it. <laughs> we have a discord. Cool. We've said that before. Leave us some reviews on iTunes or whatever. Uh, you can even rev- you can even leave reviews on Spotify now. Did you know that, Casey? No, I don't know if you I can like, know that type reviews, but you can give stars. Just go give us stars, please. And it really helps. It, you know, give us your stars, please. Give us your stars. It uh, helps us. Uh, cl- oh, I don't know. I don't actually know. How it helps us. I just know it does. I know because yeah, some someone didn't. Uh, Four point nine is pretty stars. good. I'll take it. But you have to get all sour. I'm sour. Uh, so, but yeah, it really helps. It, you know, as you 
the more reviews you have, the more it just kind of shows up as uh, in people's recommended. Feed. So, yeah, we're way, starting to climb them charts. I yeah, mean, we we're don't charting know for sure, but we're assuming. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, help us out by uh, if you if you like the show, leave us a review on you whatever don't, platform Why are you, you still like. listening? <laughs> it's only going to get worse. <laughs> But uh, yeah, if you could leave us a review, we really appreciate it. And uh, thanks to everybody who has already. Uh, you guys said some really nice things about us. And I don't we're know, we were, we were beaming. So we appreciate that. And if you're not in the Discord already, what the heck are you waiting for? Go get on the Discord. It's in our social media bios. So you can find the link there. Join in. Um, had some new members lately, had some good discussions about uh, all sorts of things. So, yeah, get in on the conversation. We glean a lot of topics and of, you know, to talk about and stuff from our, our friends in the Discord. And it's a great place. Like if you're going through some stuff, you know, uh, whether it's family related to your faith or just some general struggles about like leaving the church or staying in the church, whatever it is. It's a good place to talk about those things with like-minded people. So join up, leave us a review and enjoy our conversation with Tyler Eaton. Friends, I know a lot of you out there are small business owners. I know a few of you are musicians or artists, regardless of which camp you fall into. Eventually you're going to want to put out some custom merchandise. But the prospect of getting a design together and going through one of these impersonal, large-scale websites can be intimidating and tedious. And that's why we're proud to be sponsored by Minor Threads. Minor Threads is a North Texas-based custom printing company that is able to help you get your logo, your company's branding information, your design onto almost anything. Maybe you want to order some shirts, some stickers, banners, maybe enamel pins. The merch game's crazy these days. Minor Threads can help you with all sorts of promotional products. They also specialize in custom printing with low minimums. That can be great if you're a small company just looking to put in a small order. And for our environmentally friendly friends out there, uh, they have plenty of eco-friendly options as well. So if you're ready to take that step and get some merchandise... Go to MinorThreadCO.com and request a quote. Mention this ad and you get up to 15% off custom print orders over 100 bucks. 15%. So again, go to MinorThreadCO.com and tell them your boys at Grown Up Christian sent you. Hey everybody, we're back with our guest, Tyler Eaton. Tyler, thanks so much for hanging out with us, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm... Man, I, uh, I'm a newcomer to uh, learning about what you got going on, and I cannot wait to get into it because I'm very excited for what you're working on, and I'm excited for you to share it with everybody else. But before we – I'll leave that as a little uh, – just to spice things up a bit for people before uh, we actually get into it. So what's uh, why don't you go ahead and just give us a, a little bit about yourself, and we'll uh, dive in. Sure. But like how you grew up, like kind of denomination, what your growing up Christian ex- general experience was. I mean, technically, we were non-denominational. Uh, amen. Amen. You and everybody else. <laughs> Nobody wants to have a denomination anymore. It's just not cool. Um, it's like the punk thing to do. Yeah. But, but not really. Like, no it one reminds me cool. of like 2004 MySpace uh, scene kid being like, like, screw labels. I hate labels. Right, right. I'm off the grid. <laughs> I don't really subscribe to that. 
Um, Everyone had their like their church cop based identity though. What's that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's just the the uh, the cut and paste identity that uh, I'm slapping out there for everybody. Yes. Never mind that. We rejected all of that. We, I mean, I guess Pentecostal, you could say, because we were the brand of Christian that would roll around on the floor and laugh our asses off, and it's all about the Holy Spirit's presence, like descending upon whatever hotel ballroom we had rented or like double wide trailer we were using as a church um (laughs) so many different iterations of it i I guess to take it back to the beginning that we started going to this mega church called lakewood uh which you might have heard of uh yeah osteen's church um in houston texas it took me a second to connect (laughs) you hear all the names and you know know that name (laughs) that's the guy that's our that's our that's our joel oh man what was that it's probably cha- I I I don't. He's been going strong for a while, but I imagine it's even changed since. Yeah, if you were you were young, this, you were young when you started going there. Yeah, I mean, since before I can remember, that was where I went, like as like a three year old. Um, okay. And my my parents went there. My grandma went there. Uh, it was just like our family's church for a while. My mom like helped with the church newsletter and organized events and stuff. Um, and all of our oh, well. friends went to that church. Like it was kind of our community. Um, did Joel have fake teeth then, or did he still <laughs> rock the real ones at that point? I, I bet they were real by that point. Cause he, he wasn't even the pastor at that point. It was his father, uh, John Osteen and, uh, oh. and Dodie Osteen, his mom would also get up on state. Like it was the, the generation before he took over. Um, okay. Just, he looks like a really polished parrot fish. <laughs> <laughs> He's very polished. He's very he's very smooth <laughs> that guy um that's funny i don't know enough about them we should probably i would i should look into them a little more but i yeah i didn't even realize that he inherited that actually yeah that's new to me and it probably shouldn't be he was like a camera guy um before i, I don't know exactly his trajectory i think he was like a camera guy who like was reluctant it was like a michael corleone kind of like reluctant takeover of the family business um and then he saw the books and was like oh no i can get used to this yeah yeah <laughs> like <laughs> millions and millions and they they took over the uh houston rockets basketball stadium eventually when i was like in middle school or something and so now they can seat like fifty thousand people in there that's so wild <laughs> so many people it's, it's this wasn't the the rolling around on the floor church though right no oh so how we got to that was eventually we started going to a church in austin that was uh it was called like in the river like that was that was what the expression was like Oh, are you in the river? Which meant like, do you get on the floor? Are you part of this like Pentecostal like wave of the spirit in Texas? Um, I guess it was happening. Are you dripping wet? Yeah, exactly. Are you dripping are with you the Lord? Are you soaked for Christ? <laughs> soaked in his blood. Yeah. And uh, So then we started doing like house meetings at my neighbor's house, like right next door, with, like my best friend's family. And then we would switch weekends, like their house, our house, and bring in evangelists from all over the place. Um, and then my parents just got so into it that my dad decided to leave his job as a stockbroker for Merrill Lynch and like sat us all down one day. He's just like, we're going to start our own church. I quit my job. And uh, we were just wow. like, okay. Um, you know, we just <laughs> trusted that our parents uh, were going to do and the right thing. They trusted the Lord. They trusted the Lord. And uh, so we started a church in our living room, basically, and we just get folding chairs and clear out all the furniture in our upstairs game room and just invite whoever. And sometimes like one person would show up. Sometimes we would pack the room. Um, Oh, wow. And it just 
built from there, like a garage band that eventually like kind of, I don't know what to compare them to now band wise, but they have like a strip mall uh, church um, in Sugarland, Texas. And I guess it's like a mid-size, like 50 to 100 people will go there regularly. Okay. Um, so, so they're still doing the doing the church, the pastor yeah. thing. Okay. They're still doing it. Uh, That's, dude, I'm them, actually... Go ahead, Casey. You have to give them props for, uh, for keeping... Like, remember, like, back in the, like, band days when you'd be all hyped up to, to play some show... And then you'd get there and it was just the other bands and their girlfriends. Right. <laughs> yeah. And like it just took the wind out of your sails. Like I can't imagine like preparing a sermon and being ready to like, you know, br- call down the fire and brimstone. And then one person shows up. That would happen. Like in the early days, like it would just, cause I have three siblings. So we at least had, you know, four kids and my parents. So we'd be sitting there being like, well, it's seven o'clock. Nobody's here. Um, and then we would just start praising worship. And then 10 minutes in, you know, the doorbell would ring and some one person would show up. And uh, yeah, it was kind of like, did, did my dad make the right decision here? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> How uncomfortable really must it have been for that guy? <laughs> that, that's, yeah. such a, that's a strange decision to me because, so you said he was a stockbroker. Mm-hmm. And to start, so I, I, my family did a house church for a good while when really? I was young. Um, so I, everything was home for me. I was homeschooled, home churched. Me too. And oh yeah, nice. So like, that's a trip too, especially when you mix that with church. I, I'll have a couple questions for <laughs> about that as well. But um, so what I think is it, so when we did it, it was we kind of just had like one person kind of bring something to the table each week. That but like for your dad to quit his job and then like did did and you're only having one person show up, maybe a few to get this thing started. It's not like being a pastor could have been a full-time job at that point. Why do you feel the need to quit? I think he really hated the commute and it was, you know, my parents are very into like listening to the voice of God and, and like Mm -hmm. guiding your steps through life. And, uh, God said quit. And my dad has always said that like, if he had stayed, um, he would have been fired or like, so he just like had this like feeling in the air it's like a prophetic feeling of like the right choices to go this way and abandon it all, take the big leap and, you know, let the chips fall where they may. But you're right. I mean, he had Monday through Friday open, like <laughs> it just took him that long. He was just, it was new to him. So he had to take, it took him a full 40 hours a week to put a sermon. Yeah. Together. Yeah. One word at a time. It was a real slow process. <laughs> was he still, he was parsing things out like in middle school. Like, I, don't know, I, I yeah. got a lot of free time on my hands. Might as well get the centers. He was, structure. Yeah. Sounding it out in tongues. Um, <laughs> but I mean, also for homeschooled kids, we had like a lot of activities. We all like had karate class and baseball. And I think it was, a lot for my mom. So it was nice to have him there during the week to like take half of those responsibilities. Um, Man. So you had both parents at home with you full time all the time. Yeah. It's an interesting dynamic. I mean, yeah, I, I didn't see my dad a ton when I was younger. He, because for my mom to stay home, he had to work a good bit and it was like, so she just like took care of everything and every, luckily none of us were good at anything or athletics. So she didn't have to make a <laughs> lot of trips places, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same here. I was, I was always praying for a thunderstorm to, to rain the baseball game out. So I could, uh, <laughs> you get, home. um, you get mercyed a lot in baseball. <laughs> uh, yeah. On occasion, homeschool, Christian school, sports teams are 
are interesting. Like my school's basketball team went like six years without winning a game. Oh God. <laughs> like, it was like a really that. big deal when they finally broke the losing streak. <laughs> I mean, and we beat a t- we beat like another team that had even less players than us, if I remember right. But it was just it wasn't our calling. Yeah, exactly. exactly. The Lord just didn't want you guys to be any good. <laughs> so when you were a kid, were you just kind of along for the ride? Did you think much of it, or was it just it was what it was for you? I was pretty into it. I mean, I guess because I, you know, my entire existence was like. I just came into the world and I was a Christian. Like I didn't think about, I didn't think about it that much yeah. as a kid until I started going to church camp and like rededicating my life. And like, that's around like age 12, it kind of felt like, Oh, this is my decision now. Like I've always been a Christian, but now I'm like really, now I'm really making a choice. So church camp was a huge thing. I went to a couple of those where you like lay in the grass with like a hundred other kids and like over a loudspeaker, they're like, guiding you through this prayer to rededicate like it wasn't really an option um but <laughs> <laughs> like most meaningful choices <laughs> right <laughs> it's like do the thing all of your friends are doing or maybe go to hell like it yeah it's it's quite a choice to make i know when when it's framed the way it is as like a ch- when you're a child you're like it's not yeah i'm not of course it's like if someone's like hey we have this like pile of candy or a bunch of dog shit which one would you which right. one do you like yeah like, it's unconditional option, i guess but it's unconditional love with one very gigantic condition <laughs> <laughs> you can barely. make the choice to be reviled within the group right. so you know that is that is an option for you but I, I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, have y'all seen that documentary, uh, Jesus Camp, from like 20 I years ago? I still haven't, which is ridiculous oh, to me. It's so good. I, I was just re-watching it today, actually, uh, just trying to like get back into the, the vibes of my <laughs> my youth. And uh, yeah, um, it's on Vimeo. Uh, I can I can send you the link if you want. It's, it's incredible. Um, I should watch it. It's a, It seems like an important film, and I continually have missed it every time. And every time someone asks me, I'm like, oh... I, I have to watch that. And it's what, when did it come out? 2002. Yeah. So, it's, you know, I've had a solid decade to miss that. It's time depressing. management. Isn't one of my skill set. <laughs> I feel like I think I've started it like three times and got to somewhere in the middle. And I'm like, too cringe. Oh, this is, I'm, I don't know if I can keep doing this. It's <laughs> <laughs> like the time when they start like pledging their allegiance to George W. Bush. Yeah. I think that's oh god that's the scene that like got that camp shut down. Like they stopped doing it after the movie came out because they're uh, it was oh, I'm too... sure the pushback was rough. Yeah, uh, but there's some cool scenes. Like they they all dance to Carmen, uh, who's in the house. JC uh, as soon as they get to camp, and I'm like, this is still kind of a good song. <laughs> I'm still really enjoying it. So did you? Were you? Um, uh, we were, I just lost my tr- Christian music. Carmen, were you like? exclusively christian music were you big on that yeah i mean the christian music you really got down to newsboys were my favorite band as a kid uh uh, liberty disco was a huge song for me uh i don't serve breakfast in hell is another one um (laughs) we have we have talked about that one a little bit and uh that's a terrible song when you (laughs) you review it as an adult yeah looking back they're not great but uh when you're eight years old and it's the only music you're allowed to listen to, it's, it's it really hits the spot. You don't realize it's about people's flesh melting off. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
Yeah, and there's just a rigorous torture schedule in hell. There's no time to eat breakfast. Yeah. It's so funny how that those concepts of hell came around, right? Where it's just like you make your rounds and it's like the, the demons make their rounds to torture you in all sorts of vile ways. Mm-hmm. It is such a straight, like, where did that even, like, that came from nowhere. That was just. Dante's Inferno. Yeah. Right. Like, no one has any reason, though. Like, I, my parents at least were not, like, overly, they, didn't over, they weren't overbearing on the concepts of what it was like. They were very, like, no one really knows this, that, what that's like. We just know it's not great. Like, and you knew it was awful. And they, right. they got that point across. They didn't get into specifics. They weren't like, look, someone's going to shackle you down and tickle your feet for 10 hours until you wish you could die a second time. I don't know what would be better, like to know the specifics of what hell's going to be like or to like be able to imagine any specific thing that you might be terrified of. And that'll just be what's true for you. You know? Yeah. Like, hey, uh, how do you feel about spiders? Oh, they're awful. Well, there's a lot of spiders. It's only spiders. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's a question for the told- group. Here's a, okay. So if... Breakfast as a means of torture. What cereal is uh, is the top of your list for like the 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 worst possible cereal that they could serve you in hell? Barack Obama walks up with that breakfast Fruit Loops Loops can fuck off. I hate them so much. Too sugary. Yeah. Uh, Really, any cereal that's just been sitting there for more than ten minutes—that's just like a, (laughs) a soggy, like deteriorating mess of gunk in a bowl of milk yeah, um, like ugh. rice krispies after 45 seconds yeah like, what am i eating am i eating oatmeal now is this porridge <laughs> i didn't sign up for fucking porridge i'm gonna say grape nuts <laughs> grape nuts yep <laughs> grape nuts is just like walnut blasting your throat <laughs> i don't know i don't know what that even means this is kind of know, a nice you know, version of hell obama brings you some soggy cereal and then like welcome to hell it's actually not that bad <laughs> and Enjoy it's in soy cereal. milk oh no <laughs> liberal hell almond milk also who's do you say almond or almond because this is a big deal right now oh really i think i put the l in there almond okay Me too. god this was gonna be over quick if who says almond almond oh my god that's one of those words that drives me insane almond you've you've never heard people say almond no is that for no people almond? who are born with like a webbed tongue yeah <laughs> i don't know i don't like it i'm just glad we're all on the same page yeah this is the first Let's time hearing this. To... Yeah. <laughs> hopefully it's the last mm-hmm. all right so you were homeschooled through high school your whole life it's a weird thing because i the homeschool community in uh sugarland started basically started their own private school so i guess if you get enough homeschoolers together in one church it becomes a private school uh, <laughs> like, we sort of it's a natural progression of things. yeah we collectively we're like yeah what do we all like separate we all hang out together all the time we might as well be in classes uh in this uh, church in our neighborhood so and now we'll pay for it i you just keep people to voluntarily pay for it now when it becomes a private school. Yes. You pay for it. Like homeschooling's free. Why don't we become a private school and just pay for this? <laughs> I mean, the whole point of homeschooling, I guess, was just control over what, you know, we were learning about. So the private mm-hmm. school served the same basic function, um, was just a lot more expensive and had, we had to wear uniforms. Um, but Wow, what were your uniforms? I mean, just a basic uh, polo and slacks khakis. yeah khakis pleats or no pleats uh no pleats okay all right and if we're talking honestly here 
pleats can go screw themselves. They're terrible. What are they? they? Who wants those? Do they still make khakis with pleats? Just a good question. Oh, yeah. It's full of them at the... uh, well, they've had those for pants store. 20 years. No, but pants stores? The pants store? Oh, I think that pleats one? are... Yeah, pleats are solely there to make room for boners. <laughs> yes. And it's everybody like knows what like you're doing. You're not hiding expanding. it. It would have been very <laughs> useful around this time in my life. I thought they <laughs> were for food crotch pillows. <laughs> That's why you carry books as you walk in or like you're like still putting on your backpack as you're walking into school. You know, that's that's your... Pleats are for the people who, when they when who tuck their fat into their pants instead of <laughs> over their pants. That's the that's the difference. Mm-hmm. It's a big choice to make. I'm, uh, I'm almost to that stage of life. <laughs> I'm close. Where I have to start tucking in my t-shirts. Oh, you're there. <laughs> Getting close. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand that. Can we? We? I don't know that we need to talk about this, but I think we should. Why? That becomes a thing uh, for a lot of people. They're like I've gained a certain amount of weight. Now I'll tuck it in. Like why not? Why not let it still hang loose? Why you get to tuck it in? Isn't looser better if you have like a little bit of a belly? Wouldn't that? That's what I would think. You would think. And yet you want to kind of like accentuate it with the the shirt being tucked. All right. It's kind of like a sports bra for men. Mm. It catches <laughs> it. Like a gut bra. Okay. Okay. Why don't you just That's wear like uniform. high spanks? <laughs> There's that workaholics episode where they they take their shirts off and Adam's wearing Spanx. <laughs> I laugh at that every time I see it. Uh, I forgot. It's like an early on too. That's an early one. I'm like trending that way though. I think like my uniform in another maybe three to four years is going to be like a t-shirt with some sort of old car on the back uh, tucked well, into light blue jeans. Good. Possibly a life is good shirt. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that plays in Kansas. It's too positive. Mm. <laughs> you got to have a black belt, no brown. It's always got to be black, and then you got the white, mo- like the white New Balance with the uh, blue yeah. N on the side. That's as classic dad shoe as it gets. Yep. Back to you, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> I was just enjoying. Sorry, I'm just sitting back. Like, I gotta go to Kansas now. <laughs> Get a load of this vibe. We have a tendency to derail conversations pretty heavily. No, you're um, good. <laughs> all right. So you end up back. You end up doing like this private school, like homeschool hybrid. hybrid. Yeah, it was called Logos Preparatory Academy. Like, it was the first year the school existed. I didn't realize that when I graduated from there, it was completely unaccredited. So my high school <laughs> diploma meant nothing. And so uh, in order to go to the college I wanted to, I had to do this like mid-step of community college and had to do well enough there, I had to do the SATs. And like, there's like a special, when you take the SATs as a homeschooler, I don't know if you experienced this, but there's like a special area that they put you in with all the like unclassifiable kids. Um, oh, <laughs> I did take the SATs. Maybe I was with those kids and I just didn't You just know. didn't realize you were embedded. Um, yeah, with the, the locals. Uh, but anyway, um, I eventually went to the University of Texas and that's kind of where I was exposed to other parts of the world and kind of left my, my Christian bubble um, and uh, just got really into comedy, uh, kind of doing improv and uh, started making videos with my friends and... Uh, yeah, and it led me towards Satan, I guess. And uh, I've been there ever since. <laughs> in Texas, we're, we're, of all places, that should have been the safest place in the country to go to you college. You would think, but Austin, Texas is, you know, a liberal enclave in, uh, in this giant red donut. 
So you oh, were man. brainwashed. I'm going there next week, and I'm so excited. Oh, it's going to oh, be really? First time? No, I've been there a bunch of times. Okay. One of my good friends lives there. Mm. But uh, that's turning into like a comedy town now, isn't it? it? Seems like a lot of comedians move there. Yeah, no, it's definitely been a comedy place for a bit, and then COVID forced everything to um, basically to go out of business. So like the place that I learned how to do improv is completely shut down now. Um, and I guess Joe Rogan is trying to bring it back. Uh, he's starting his own club there now. Yeah, he apparently bought one. I'm sure he has the capital. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I'm sure he's- he could put some dollars <laughs> together. <laughs> At least has a solid down payment. Yeah, no, it's got a great comedy scene there, great music scene. Um, and uh, yeah, you're going to have a great time. I'm very jealous. I'm excited. What were some of the things that like were the first, like, so you go to college after living in that bubble for... 18 years mm-hmm. and the first time you're just like i don't know about that oh um i mean that first big thought i guess it was just like the idea and i don't know where it came from exactly but like if i wasn't born where i was born into the perfect true religion you know let's say i was born in saudi arabia <laughs> and i was introduced to islam the way i was introduced to christianity and then somebody introduces me to jesus at some point in my life like what are the chances that given the like circle of friends and family that I would grow up with there that I could possibly embrace Jesus. Like it just, so that started to really bother me. And I was like, but they don't have the, and there's not an equal opportunity kind of uh, salvation. And, and there's what thousands and thousands of religions all over the world. And as, as many missionaries we have, it's just like, it's just not the same as like poof, you're born and you're a Christian. Like I was, and like I, I assume you guys were. Yeah, I'm actually, that's interesting to me because it took, I feel like it takes a lot of people a little bit longer to start thinking about it that way. Or they'll, they'll kind of like make excuses for that thought when it comes in their head. Like Mm -hmm. you, you already mentioned missionaries, but sometimes it's a default to, well, the Holy Spirit. Like it says in the Bible that no one is without, like, I don't remember where it is, probably in Romans. And it's like that everyone has the opportunity for salvation. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. I do. That was something that. I, okay, so that's something that I would get, and it came up a lot when I was at Liberty, and I, you just uh, well, every it's the Bible says everyone has the opportunity, so I guess they just missed it. Like uh, some people right. have more opportunity than others. It's, it's kind of like privilege, you know. We pretend it doesn't exist, but no. everyone has the opportunity to be a billionaire in America. But if you're yeah. <laughs> a millionaire when you're born, you're just better off. Of, it's going to be a lot easier, you know. Get a boost, exactly. Just a little boost. It's quite a boost. <laughs> and that's a one for one exchange with being born Christian versus being born a different religion. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it really is like that. I remember the first time thinking about that and being able to just sit with the fact that that's that is a good reason. You don't need excuses. So I'm surprised that that I'm surprised that that hit you so early on in college. We were just like, yeah, this doesn't really make sense. It was it was that and like just being really into comedy and, and comedians, like they just, their, their approach to life is generally uh, like in a deconstructing kind of mode in general. Um, so like my parents loved watching Seinfeld with us, like as a family thing growing up and, you know, Seinfeld is like, what's the deal with everything? And, and you know, that gets into your head enough. You just start to become a, by default, like a person full of doubt about literally anything in your life. And you're just like, what is the <laughs> deal with Sodom and Gomorrah? Is it really that bad to be gay? Like I now have gay <laughs> friends in college and they all seem really nice. What, what are we, what is the problem exactly? So like Se- Seinfeld is who led me away from the Lord. I would say. 
More than anyone. That's the plan <laughs> I'm on too, actually. There you go. I was just watching Seinfeld before we got on here. Oh, that's the best. Is that reinforcing my faith. <laughs> that's why I didn't get the invite till late because uh, you're too busy. It's too busy. Trying to finish the invite because I misspelled your email address. Apparently, <laughs> you guys would have autofill after sixty episodes. <laughs> you would sure think so. <laughs> I don't know why. It Technology hasn't hit the Midwest yet. <laughs> Kansas is still using typewriters. They have solid <laughs> auto audio video functionality, but autofill is not quite there yet. <laughs> One day. It's great. You're going to love it. What got you? Was there like a culture shock moment when you got to college? Yes. That's like a big university. Yeah. I mean, 50,000 students or so. And my my, co ed dorms. Did you have co ed dorms? I never did the dorms because my older brother uh, went there and I just like moved into his apartment basically. Um, Okay. So I skipped the dorm life, which. I kind of wish I had had that now just um, as just an immediate way to just have like 20 friends. Um, yeah. But the culture shock was, I mean, I didn't make friends when I was on the dorm. Really, oh, okay. But... Okay. You know, neither did my <laughs> brother. Out demerits. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, going from a high school uh, of where like there were 12 people in my grade to a community college of maybe a thousand uh, to a 50,000 person school was yeah. Massive shock to the system just just the the scope of it um was intimidating i know one of the things that was really tough for me like going to college because i did the same thing i mean i had like 45 people in my whole school and then i went to a small secular college that had like 1200 people on campus and it was overwhelming (laughs) i remember like one of the toughest things about it was like trying to find the group that you were welcome in you know that you could actually Mm -hmm. like mesh with was that like the comedy crew for you um yeah i didn't really start doing like improv classes until the end of college and i didn't try stand up until 2012 when i did like this like study abroad in la like internship program um so i guess in the beginning my old like high school buddy became my roommate at ut he like came like a year after i did and we were just constantly making comedy videos um and so I guess it was just me and him for a while. Just like uh, I made a feature link documentary about him, um, about him trying to lose <laughs> weight uh, so that he could run this 5K. Um, <laughs> that took up. Did he make it? He did. He did. <laughs> um, it's not online. No one can see this anymore. But uh, but yeah, that was just like how we kind of cut our teeth as, as filmmakers. It's just like, let's just make literally any idea that occurs to us. Um, and yeah, he, he lost his faith in high school, like towards the end. So while we were roommates, yeah, we would have these like late night conversations where he was, he was like my first really close friend who had taken that step. And I was just like, I don't know, man, I'm not there. Like, I don't, I don't really want to be a part of the church, but yeah, I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't get there mentally. It was just like too much of a, a breakup with God. Um, what was turning you off about church? Um, I never, once I went to college, I never really joined a church and I don't, I don't know exactly. I mean, just like I wanted to have a personal relationship with God at that point. Um, and it just, I guess from between like the age of 18 to like 21, that was like the gradual, like ungluing of me from that sense of community. Um, so yeah, I don't even think I could put it into words at that time of like why it just felt better to, I was just too busy to go to church. 
Well, like prior to that, like 18 period, you know, like, did you feel at home in that environment? I mean, it's comfortable and familiar to some extent, like, because we always talk about like feeling, feeling as if everybody around you is having some sort of experience or connection to it that you're not and just feeling Mm -hmm. like an imposter. Like, did you feel that or what do you pretty? Yeah, because it, it can feel very competitive too. Like in, when you're in praise and worship and you're lifting your arms and you're like, am I doing it right? Am I doing, am, am I lifting my arms as high as the person next to me? And like, can people tell that I'm having That's why doubts? I stood on my tiptoes. <laughs> trying to get them up a little bit higher than everybody else. Yeah, the tall kids had such an advantage. They could be so close to the Lord. Dude, they could worship God so fucking good. Oh my God. Did you did you guys like fall on the floor? Or did you have that non-denominational like, uh, like, laying on the hands, uh, kind of healing thing. No, no, no. Okay. Mine was very straight laced, like Northern Baptist church. Okay. Like if somebody sneezed at the wrong time during the service, everybody scowled at them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mine wasn't either, but I, I found that in college, uh, and kind of got on that path for a little bit, not in like an extreme way, mm-hmm. uh, but Charismatic. just enough to like, just kind of wave like a tree in the wind and, I remember going back to growing up. I thought the church that I went to was like not progressive Mm -hmm. in the sense of like, you know, politics and just, you know, general ideology, but like it had, it's a beat worship band. It was like good message. I don't know. I thought it was great. Uh, And then I leave, go to Liberty, Liberty, like, you know, obviously rocks that shit. They mostly do hill song kind of stuff. And it's very like vibey. Mm -hmm. So then like when I start hanging out with people who are into like, you know, that, that world of things. I, I remember the first time going back home and going to my parents' church and being like, this shit's boring. Like, right. it's wicked boring. Like, it's, it, I thought, Dry. I, yeah, I thought I was going to get back and like feel that same feeling. I was like, and I remember thinking, no one does, like, no one. I remember, like, I was the kind of the kid that went in that direction hard enough where I was like bothered by the fact that like nobody at my parents' church showed any excitement about it. And I remember being bothered by that, like when I went and then being like, oh, this music's so boring. I don't even think I can put my hands up. Like I couldn't bring myself to do it, which was kind of one of the first things that made me think about how much I was. That was an authentic reaction to what I was part of or if it was a reaction to just the environment and the vibe. And that was the first time I really started considering that. Yeah, it's weird when Christianity gets like competitive between denominations and styles, because I I would go to this youth group as part of two youth groups at the same time. And uh, the friend I mentioned. Oh, you were um, you were in open relationship with you. I was I was polyamorous between a Baptist (laughs) church. uh, It was kind of a mega church and like my small little like local family one. And uh, but yeah, I would go to the Baptist services and I'm just like, we're not nobody's doing anything like nobody's like on the floor nobody's rattling around like is anyone even speaking tongues here like like the lack of holy spirit like it kind of did feel like god wasn't there because my sense of god's presence was like i mean i guess looking back on it it was almost like a hypnosis like and my my face we would just get so worked up that like your the temperature in your body is rising and you associate that warmth with the holy spirit's presence you're just like sure yeah you know I feel too comfortable in this room. God must not be here. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just forgot to put on any purse print. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. Sorry. Did I lost you, my so thought. That's all right. When you were at, um, so you, did you like, 
what made you stick to the other youth group? Why did you feel like, why were you going back and forth? Did you have friends in the other one? I had friends in both. Yeah. Yeah. More yeah. girls. Definitely that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because the one that was my parents' church, it was, although my first girlfriend was from, uh, the church band at the, and our youth group at the, my family's church. Uh, but so I, I dated the only possible girl I could have that wasn't my sister. Uh, at my head, you know. so, she was your sister in Christ. I know what you're talking about, right? <laughs> my sister in Christ. Yes, that's true. We're all his okay. children, so I guess it's all weirdly incestuous. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, um, and I didn't date anybody from the the church that had a lot more cute girls. So I don't know. I guess it was a failed mission there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like some of my closest friends from this like little private school we created went to this Baptist one. So. Um, it just felt cooler. I don't know. It just felt like a better social scene. Yeah. I went to my buddy's youth group, um, with him some of the time and it was just, it was just weird. Like, cause I, I went to the school with all the same people I went to church with. It was a very small tight knit community, not a lot of outsiders. Mm-hmm. So like going to his youth group part of the time, it was strange. Cause it was like the only real exposure to like, you know, other churches and what they do. And it, even though it was really close to what we did, I mean, it was still different, but yeah, there was, there was like four of us that all hung out together and there was really like four girls that were possibilities for us to even have a crush on. So there was kind of a mutual agreement. Like, well, you can, you can like her and you can like her. And the one guy was younger yeah. than the rest of us. So it was like really for you, there's only her, so <laughs> we have, I hope that works for you. Yeah, we have seniority here with the dating. I'm sorry, man. It's just how it goes. We did not consult them on it, but uh, yeah, we never acted upon it either. So it was it was kind of a a, a mutual stalemate. All the did way you around. act on it in your thoughts? Did you sin in your heart? No, which is maybe worse. Yeah, <laughs> thoughts. In. So. Casey, you said like going to that other group and it being boring. And I just had this thought of the first time I went to a church where, and I'm wondering if you guys are familiar with this because I've only seen it maybe twice, but where you're in the service and then they go, now we're going to have the kids come up for Sunday school. And while everyone's in the service, all the kids go up to the front of the church and they like sit on, if there's like the little steps going up to it, all the kids sit there. And then someone comes down and gives them a little Bible lesson of basically kind of like maybe a reduced version of what the sermon's going to be. It's like five minutes, seven minutes, maybe. And they ask the kids questions and kids raise their hands. It feels like it's like a, I don't know, like a shitty Christian tryout for kids say the darndest things where they're trying to get them to say funny shit. Yeah. Pastors pals. That's what they called it at my church when I was young. Really? I, dude, I The first time I saw that, I was like 20 five and visiting a church and i was like what the fuck is this this is i've never heard of this dude it was like a it's, it's like a live action version of one of those calendars that has the babies dressed up as vegetables and fruit <laughs> basically hey, like break that. that down a little yeah. more for us casey because i'm curious as to how you're arriving at spectacle. <laughs> look at them aren't they cute and dumb yeah <laughs> the broccoli it's like the cross because they're both trees, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. I see the connection exactly. now. That's beautiful. Know. And the Whatever tomato makes it easier for you. is like Christ's blood because right. you're both red. 
the potato this is, this is Christ's taking body, a, a but really it's laying in the time. ground. Do all 12. Do all 12. <laughs> <laughs> we just had regular altar calls. I didn't have anything uh, bizarre. Like, <laughs> I guess altar calls, <laughs> altar calls are in them like inherently bizarre too, but uh, I know oh, it's yeah. funny that that's in the, for us, that's in the realm of very normal, but kids going up to hear a little five minute message is the weird thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that seems too like classical performance, like like more traditional theater than as opposed to uh, asking everyone in the room, like, "Are you sure you're still a Christian? Come forward if you're like, not sure about it." Yeah. Tithing went down last week, so I'm gonna do an altar call this week. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Did, uh, I imagine so? There's so much going on in one of those services where people are like kicking around on the floor and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like there had to be like you were saying, like a competitive performance aspect to it. It was for me. And was, uh, what was your best was... performance? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think I know because I, <laughs> I mean, it was really when I started praying in tongues. Cause it was like really hard for me. Cause I thought it was silly. Like, like from a young age, I was just like, tongues is weird. I don't know if I can like get into that. Like it just never felt like I could get there. And, and, we we had a specific like youth group night for being baptized in the Holy Spirit, like a separate baptism for speaking in tongues. Um, and I finally got over that mental, like in front of everybody, everybody watching. And I finally was like, like, like whatever, whatever came out was just obviously nonsense. Um, uh, but the angels could understand it. Uh, and, um <laughs> But yeah, I think that was like, man, I really brought my A game tonight. Like, I really, like, I let loose. <laughs> you felt good about it, huh? Yeah, yeah. Did anyone interpret it afterwards? Nobody would really do that. I mean, um, yeah, nobody knew what the hell we were ever saying. <laughs> 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 Never seemed like a necessary step. Um, <laughs> was there like a person that comes to mind when you think about like, like, Ugh, here goes Jeff again. He's gonna that you I was know. competitive with? Yeah, like was there the one kid like in basketball, right? There was always there was always one kid that would like get hurt and then kick around on the floor and just like really overplay it. And it got to the point where it happened so often that when I do it, everybody'd be like, Here we go. <laughs> you get up, LeBron. <laughs> yeah, was yeah. there like one person that was just over the top? The show that, off. I, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm not gonna say his name, although I'm from. I'll so, put him on blast. I'm from such a small youth group uh, that it's like, <laughs> it's it was my family and like two other families. If they heard this, they would know exactly who I'm talking about. Um, so I'm just gonna make up a name and I'm just gonna say Charlie. Uh, would just he would just always rock back and forth like no matter like it was like really like. Um, the way that the Holy spirit would affect him during worship was always so physical and crazy. And, and, you know, I wanted it to be legit. Like the feeling that I, whatever physical manifestation of, of God that was happening in worship, I wanted it to really, I didn't want to like rock unless I felt like something invisible was pushing me back and forth, you know? And so when I would see him do that, I'm like, you're just doing that. Like you're just, you know, (laughs) You just have a crush on so-and-so and you're hoping she notices like this, like, um, yeah, whatever horrible thought I was worried people would have about me, I would just go uh, full force on him. Yeah, right. I want to, I want to, yeah. I want to like visit one of those churches and just go all in 
like start out rocking, fall on the floor, and then just like pee my pants. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would happen. Have y'all seen the eyes of Tammy Faye? That, yeah. That happens at the start of the movie. She just like starts writhing around and pisses herself. So that's, they'll accept it, man. <laughs> yeah, we just talked to her son. Uh, Did you really? A couple weeks ago. Yeah, Jay. Oh, I've got to listen to that. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah it's, probably, it was a yeah, a little really bit before fun. this one. Yeah, it was. He's he's got a from his perspective, it's a wild world. Yeah, I can imagine. Oh my gosh. Oof. So you made a pretty clean cut then when you went off to college. Like, did you struggle with guilt over not getting involved in a church and not like seeking out that community at school and stuff like that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I forget the name of the big like. Uh, uh, like Baptist church that everybody at my school was going to in Austin. But I was like always in the precipice of like, I think I'm going to visit this. this week Cause it would hand out pamphlets on, on campus at UT and I would take them and be like, you know, next week I'll be there. And then I would just never go. Um, and so I had a lot of guilt about that. And then I guess the big turn for me, I was 21. It was between semesters and I just was like, <sighs> my brother got very into um, Christopher Hitchens, the like atheist writer and like Sam Harris and uh, Richard Dot, like the four horsemen of atheism. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I think that's what they call themselves. And, uh, and so I, what happened was I started reading articles he would send me that weren't related to Christianity that were like, uh, like Hitchens, like amazing thoughts about this political thing. And I'd be like, well, he's a really smart guy. I don't think I like agree with him with, but when it came, came to like atheism or anything, but like, as I started like, kind of like, circling around like finally i was avoiding reading him when when it came to matters of faith because i was just like he's so fucking smart like i'm just gonna fall for it and (laughs) and then i finally was like well if my faith is truly strong then i should just be able to read this guy talking like talking shit about the christian faith and i should still come away from it a christian and then i watched like this hour-long like google talk he gave about one of his books and I was like, God exists. <laughs> like, <laughs> and it it's was very emotional. Pitch, <laughs> it's I I dare any Christian to watch that hour long Google talk and come yeah, away right. with your faith. <laughs> the man is just. But no, I mean that that's that kind of led me to like a sort of militant hardcore atheism for a couple of years before I was like, this is just a different way of being a dick. Like, I I need to you know pump the brakes and. <laughs> not everyone has to go through that phase i feel like when you go from when you make that hard flip from christian to atheism i, f- I feel like that's a very common thing because that's the yeah. mode you're in you're in that mode you've been conditioned to function in that like i know the truth let me tell it to you and it'll make your life better mm-hmm. and once uh scales are lifted from your eyes you'll see and experience the joys of life like that's so conditioned in us mm-hmm. that I still fight that. Like I have opinions and thoughts on things and matters of faith. Sure. That I'm like the amount of times I find myself getting preachy about it. I'm just like, I got to tone this back. I'm too, I've been, I, I can't, I, I don't want to be that person anymore. It's, it is hard. I feel like I'm still yeah. fighting it even after like getting to a point where like I, it's like you get to that point where you don't care what other people believe, but then you find yourself in the right conversation. You're like, let me be the smartest person here. Right. Now. right. But you're not. You don't know any. I don't know much. What do, I didn't write a book. I just like watched a YouTube video and want to tell everybody about it. Right, right. <laughs> you look like an asshole. But it also it, it affects everything. Like like because I don't know about you guys. But like every everything is soaked in politics now too, and so of course that is also absolutely connected to religion. 
Um, and so it's, it feels like an unavoidable thing and it is so easy to get on a soapbox about it. Um, and I, I'm about to make a movie that is like essentially my version of my parents' sermon. And I'm like, already, we haven't even shot this thing yet. And I'm just like, man, some people that I'm like really close to in life are going to like feel really shitty when they see this movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, but I also want to like say how I feel. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's constantly a struggle between yeah saying how you feel and not just trying to crush other people <laughs> yeah i mean casey and i've talked about this a good bit here but it's like um a lot of our feelings on things weren't necessarily known by fam certain people in our families uh maybe certain friends i don't know probably most of our i don't know you start putting your thoughts out there and saying what you think or as you're doing making a movie where mm -hmm. you're like okay i'm putting this out here and someone's gonna there it's just gonna be heard at this point like you can't tiptoe around it anymore and that's tough that's an awkward situation to to kind of put yourself in that's why I, you know i actually just recent i just watched um taylor tomlinson's new stand-up special oh yeah if you i i have to finish it, it. i've watched about half of it um it's okay. a couple of days ago. It's, yeah. it's god damn it's such a fantastic special yeah. um and she she talks about how her i think she says something about how her parents don't even listen any to her stand-up anymore so it's easy it's like she'll just go off really and it's not they're not gonna hear it but I'm, god that's like to to have that confidence to be like and you i feel like it's different too with what you're doing right with with art making a movie that you're putting out there for so many people where yeah that's you know, gonna that's gonna reach and it's permanent and uh i don't know i think that that i, I imagine that's a tough thing to work through if you if you don't find yourself being like really comfortable with who you are and where you've landed it's taken a while yeah i mean i i um i didn't tell my parents how i was really feeling about things for years um like i moved to la and i started making stuff and i i made this web series about hair loss uh called going going gone and basically <laughs> each episode i try a new thing um like i i try like hair restoration uh at home surgery uh like asking my friends if they'll try it because it's too expensive and then by the fourth episode <laughs> i've like tried everything i can think of and so i the last episode is about me going to church and getting my parents on camera to pray for me it's like a mockumentary style thing and they agreed to do it <laughs> and i'm like and so they they pray for my head and for the restoration of my hair and i like fall down in the spirit and i instantly run to the bathroom to check it out and it like still looks the same so i like come out and i'm all I'm all like disappointed. I'm like, how long is this supposed to take? You know, like God's glory. I, I thought God could do anything and, uh, and he won't bring back my hair. Um, and so I told them for the first time on camera, like, well, I'm agnostic anyway. And like, I storm out of the room, but I'm like semi in character, but also <laughs> telling them that for the first time ever. And they had no reaction. They were just like, yeah, we kind of figured like, um, and so we've never had any blow up fights about it. And I, I, I mean, my dad's like a comedy fan. Like, I think he's he's excited about it a little bit about me making fun of church. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be weird. It's definitely going to be weird. But I it's it's just what I feel like making. And I, I think if you're going to put all this work into something, it should have at least a kernel of personal connection. And this is. This is what I, I've already done plenty of projects about my hair loss. The other thing I have in life is that I was homeschooled and evangelical. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't do a project about hair loss again. So here we are. 
I'm about <laughs> to use up number two of two meaningful experiences I've ever had. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> we only have three things in life, I think. And yeah, I don't have my third one yet. So did it, you write this movie on your own? Yeah. Or yeah. do you have a team? It's just, I have a producing team um, um, that I've been making short films with for a few years now. Um, but yeah, it's just me. Why don't we introduce the movie a little bit now that we're like, sure. now that we're talking about it? Um, it's called Mysterious Ways. Sorry. Um, the movie's called Mysterious Ways, and it's kind of a blending of like the tone of Superbad and The Exorcist. It's it's about these two sibling adult youth pastors who they they're they're at a struggling church, and uh, one of their uh, youth kids gets possessed by a demonic spirit and uh runs out into the night and declares that it's going to possess you know 666 uh mortals and and force them to dance as the welcoming party for the antichrist um (laughs) so i mean i just like to back up i i was obsessed with like the left behind series as a kid um oh yeah did y'all did y'all both read it i read it I started reading the first kids version, yeah, and then didn't. But that's okay, he's not a reader. I wasn't a I wasn't a reader. Uh, <laughs> that's like what made me a reader. I, they were all like 125 pages. Uh, just blast through those. Um, that's it. They were only 125. They were somewhere around there. Like it could have been I guess more. Than, like kid, the kids ones, right? Yeah. Like, just kind of quick. We got the O'Doul's version. I I read full strength, 80 proof. <laughs> were you reading the adult version? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about it the other day because we were at a thrift store and they had several of them on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Shocking! And I was I'm thinking about people it turn those in. <laughs> oh yeah, dude, you want if you want to just go pick up Christian music albums from you when you were a kid, thrift stores are loaded with them. <laughs> as it Maybe turns you out, live. people don't listen to Pillar as an adult. You know, it's all the ex <laughs> ex evangelicals just turning in their their boxes and boxes of those. <laughs> I think I was thinking about it and I'm like, I know I read these. I know I read them all the way through. And then I, the more I thought about it, I'm like, I read all of them. I quit reading when they got to heaven. <laughs> like, it's crazy. Which, it's the cr- point at which they like finished and they got yeah. to whatever the, the millennial kingdom or whatever it yeah. was, you know, I, I got bored with it and I quit. Man, I'm so <laughs> happy to hear you say that because I read 40, there's 41. I, I read, I completed 40 of them. And then I started reading the 41st and final book. And like literally Jesus comes down. And he's like stomping the like antichrist armies to death. And like, cause you know, they're not deserving. They have the mark of the beast. There's no hope for them. Uh, and, and then like the war is over and he's like, all right, everyone, we're going to go to paradise now for eternity. Um, and I, yeah, I never finished that one. Cause I was just like, What's the point? Like, I what are we just gonna read the epilogue of like everybody worshiping for it? Like, I get it. <laughs> it's it's kind of like podcasts. Like, I have friends, like some of my coworkers, that listen to a lot of like motivational rah rah. Mm-hmm. You know, you're a boss, go out and get it. Podcasts, and I can't stand them. I have to listen yeah. to like true crime and murder stuff every day. Like, I can't have a good day unless I hear about someone being tortured <laughs> hey i'm right there with you man um it just it just shines a spotlight on how great your life is you haven't been murdered once um, <laughs> right <Not laughs> probably dude all this research i've been doing. yeah you know so much about how people get murdered you're yeah <laughs> taking precaution walking down the street <laughs> i'm 
blown away by I didn't realize that the Left Behind book ended with everybody going to heaven. I guess that's the natural conclusion of things. I don't know why I didn't suspect, but yeah, I, like Jesus wins. Even them them ending with <laughs> everybody Spoiler knows. Alert. Sorry, I'm sorry. That <laughs> Nah, I know you just ruined it. I was about to start reading those to my children. How could you? No, but just the idea that, um, like, I knew that, right? Like, I, I got, I had my revelation hangups too, and I was concerned. I remember being like nine or ten and asking my parents if we're gonna have to live through the tribulation after watching. We watched it. What was the tribulation? It was just called tribulation, Casey. Yeah, it had Gary Busey in it. Gary Busey and. uh, Have you seen this? No, I have not. Okay, that's that. You need to put that on your homework list. I will. That you will love. Tribulation. um, Who's the Christian comedian or became a Christian? Mark Lowry. Oh, Howie Mandel. He he's in it. (laughs) I didn't even know he was a Christian. About that. Tribulation. Okay. Busey really steals the show, though. Oh yeah, really, believe it or not, it's classic Busey. <laughs> He's a great. It's like one hero. step up above him being that guy who lives in the the rundown bus in in Black Sheep. He's like <laughs> it's on that level. Have you guys ever seen? I think it's called Silver Bullet or something, where Gary Busey plays this like drunk uncle of this kid who's in a wheelchair. He plays himself. He plays himself essentially, and his nephew's in a wheelchair, and he like takes the wheelchair to the garage and like supercharges it so the kid can like drive around town at like 60 miles an hour. <laughs> and, and meanwhile, there is a priest who has been bitten by a, a werewolf and is a werewolf now. And he's like, like looking, he's like, you know, it's a horror movie where he's just killing someone every five minutes. Um, and his next target is this kid. And there's these incredible like chase scenes where the priest is trying to eat this child as Gary Busey <laughs> And this kid on this like supercharged wheelchair are like, I highly, highly recommend this movie. Uh, Silver Bullet. <laughs> I need to find the title. It's Silver Something. If you're on Gary Busey's IMDb, it's it's probably in the 80s. Um, oh, God. I have to see this. Yeah, that sounds like a good one. Yeah. If you're a Busey <laughs> fan. Um, uh, I watched I've... Megiddo uh, and uh, the Omega Code series in the 90s. Did y'all ever watch those about the end times? No. 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 Okay um god end times movies there were so many yeah i mean it's really a letdown how they like bring jesus back though because you know he's supposed to come slay all of his enemies but i feel like they just really don't have the imagination to make that cool well it's like he he yells and the truth of his words makes them (laughs) die they need to do it like uh have you guys seen uh yeah yeah oh fuck yeah dude what is it? Dude, Raised that, by that, wolves. That's, that's what, what it should be. What is it called? It's it's called Raised by Wolves. It's a it's on HBO. Oh no, it's I haven't fantastic. seen that. Yet. Okay, running it this down. Alien lady like screams and people just explode into balls of guts. Dude, Raised by Wolves is dope. It's like uh, if you don't know the premise, like it's uh, Earth is basically in this like constant religious war, but or this constant war between like atheists and religious people and. They send up this pod to colonize a planet, uh, and it's like the AI are the parents, and they're raising them completely without religion. And the idea is that, like, if we raise them without religion, then nothing, then we'll, no wars will be fought over this. Mm-hmm. And so many wars have been fought over religious differences, but then they like encounter this other group, this religious group that made it to that same planet, and the kind of the same shit starts again. It's really fucking cool. And the AI though is like. The, yeah, like Casey was saying, there's a scene where she what's, just kind of what's what's the guy that did the house. original 
alien movie. Ridley Scott. Yeah. Ridley Scott. It's a Ridley Scott show. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm in. That sounds it's great. really good. So I actually to back to what, uh, what I was with that, the whole raised by wolves scene. That's what I was thinking. Like, so Jesus comes back. Like Jesus always, we know Jesus comes back. We know he stomps on his enemies and fucks everyone up. And, but I feel like if you made a movie about that, <laughs> that scene, if Jesus actually came back and like, like whack a mold them with real full blown action, like violent, <laughs> like uh violent Kevin Bacon revenge style. Like, yeah, just comes in and just starts slitting throats and slaying people <laughs> and, and it's completely soaked in blood like they say it's gonna be if i had Dude, the budget i don't think yeah. that i don't i wonder if that would be offensive to people even though that's exactly i wonder what gonna happen. <laughs> if he came back with like okay so it, you know how this would work it would work as an anime that's where we could make this happen that's where you can exaggerate lots of gore uh yeah I can see. That. I want him to have like a sword that's like comically large, like eight times the normal yes. sword size, and he kills everyone on Earth individually except for the hundred and forty-four thousand. Oh, now uh, we're getting into know, Tea Party members. <laughs> Wait, what is the denomination? That's is that Latter Day Saints that believes that's like the cap for heaven is one hundred. Jehovah's Jehovah's uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. That's right. Jehovah's that's Jehovah's right. Jehovah's, yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're wonderful. I well, just, what if? Uh, what about this? <laughs> You blend it with like, you blend it with the regular telling of Jesus, like regular story of Jesus, mm -hmm. right? And everyone's always trying to put their new spin on it. I think we should do it. And he has like these flashbacks, uh, not flashbacks, these premonitions, right? And it's just like he's telling, like he's doing the Sermon on the Mount. And he's just like, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. And then it's just like, rah, 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 rah. and then it just shows like he gets this premonition of him just like, just drowning people in their own blood and slaying them like a motherfucker. And then it goes back and he's like, kind of like short circuits a bit. And then he tries to get back into his peace talk. I think he's like, that'd be cool. Like flashes to like him waist deep in the collective <laughs> blood and guts soup of humanity. Just punching it with the, uh, what's the O sleeper song. And what's that O sleeper song where he's like, talk, there's a whole song about like killing a bunch of people and, I don't know. No, I don't know, it's but I'm sold here. on this movie idea. Like I, Wait, I'm here that, in LA. That's your next movie. I live right next to the Netflix buildings. So I can walk over there and be like, pitch it. They green light the shit out of. They stuff, absolutely, so. yeah. No, they have endless money and no ideas of their own. So I could just start doing that punching thing you were doing. I'm like Jesus punching <laughs> into waist deep blood. What do you think? And they're like, can you do nine seasons? Um, I think. <laughs> They'll write me a check in the lobby. Um, and we'll we'll replace Jesus like every third season with a different actor and not acknowledge it. Yeah, we'll you bring know? in Diesel at some point. Uh, people love that guy. <laughs> <laughs> now that he's gone full QAnon. Um, what? He did? Oh, have you not seen this? He's like, I was making a speech at a big QAnon like convention thing to save America, overturn the election results. Yeah, he's... which. Which actor? Wow. The guy the guy who played Jesus, Jim Caviezel, he's um Oh, I thought you said Vin uh... Diesel. Oh, oh, that <laughs> <laughs> Jim Caviezel <laughs> Jim Vince Diesel. <laughs> They've merged into one guy. Um I would like to see Jim I would like to see Vin Diesel's version of Jesus, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'll I'll see if I can get him attached to your movie idea. It sounds amazing. Um, okay. I I just I 
I was a little distracted for a second because I did have to find this Oh Sleeper song. And uh, I'll, I'll stand, you'll see me over all your fallen. I'll be knee deep, knee deep in a sea of their organ. Send me all of hell and I'll face them. I'll face them one on 1,000. Wow, one on 1,000. So they lifted that idea from me. Clearly. Mm-hmm. You gotta so need that's good that's the soundtrack though. That's what's playing in the background while Jesus is just like, like he's like punching down. <laughs> this is three hundred, but with Jesus essentially. Yeah. Okay. Such... People love that movie. We're onto something here. We are. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let me produce this. You guys can write this. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, back to your movie though. Oh, you yeah. Know, okay. Now that we've pitched our own a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. So. In your movie, like the, I think we we led you off course, but the so the Left Behind books play a role kind of in your movie, right? Sort of. I, I created a fictional version called Tribulation Squad that like becomes popular at this little church, and it's like kind of a, a merging between the violence you guys are talking about and the Left Behind series. I mean, the Left Behind series was incredibly violent. Like half the main characters get their heads chopped off at a certain point because uh, they refuse to get the mark of the beast. But anyway, uh, <laughs> Denise, uh, who uh, is played by Alyssa Sabo, uh, or will be played by Alyssa Sabo, who you guys have had on the podcast. Yes. Um, yeah. She's going to be one of the stars and uh, very excited. Um, and her character just is like full force into the end times and also into this like dystopian young adult series um, that, I mean, it's really just taking my experience of like, being more into left behind than I was into the Bible itself. And (laughs) that's kind of what she does to this youth group. Um, And so what leads to this demonic possession is there's like a satanic ceremony that takes place in the book. And there's like a certain dance they do. And she's trying to help out the church. And she's like, why don't we do this dance? Like, it'll be like our version of the Harlem shake. Like we'll do it at our church and then other churches can like start copying it. And we'll do this like crazy TikTok dance with our youth group. We'll all wear like satanic robes and we're doing it on Halloween. So it's like our version of dressing up like evil, but we're doing it for Jesus. So it's like, we're not being hypocrites. We're, you know, uh, more Christian than ever. And, uh, so one of the kids, Bethany, uh, who's like the daughter of their biggest donors, um, and they're really trying to make sure she's like happy and involved so that they don't leave the church. Um, she ends up like <laughs> reading some Latin from this tribulation squad book and that then she's, they, they finish the dance and she's like on the floor and like, you know, the possession has taken hold and then she goes full like exorcist. Um, and on our budget, we're not going to be able to like have her float in the air or anything. Um, it's all just gonna be makeup and, and, and the performance, but, uh, yeah, then that leads them on this kind of adventure out into the the night to stop her from getting to 666 other possessed people. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of what kicks it off. I love it. I got like I a, a <laughs> like Evil Dead vibe. Yeah, yeah. I love those movies. Um, early Peter Jackson, kind of gory stuff. Um, we'll see how much of our blood budget uh, or how much of our budget has to go to fake blood. Uh, <laughs> just do some scenes in black and white when you need to okay and yeah. use chocolate syrup there we so, go yeah i learned that once on amc show about horror movies i think that's what they did in psycho right uh in the shower I scene so yeah yep. yeah chocolate yeah. syrup okay <laughs> i stumbled across like an old peter jackson movie one time called dead alive i've seen it yeah it's great it's pretty great <laughs> i mean like I- a guy goes to a zoo and gets bit by like a, a zombie monkey or something like that and mm-hmm. then slowly his entire 
town turns into zombies or something. I forget. It was hilarious, though. Yeah, it's one of those movies that doesn't take itself seriously at all. That, yeah, is is just a guy who grabbed a camera and, a, and all of his friends and, and a bunch of fake blood and just made the dumbest but most fun movie ever. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, his first three movies are all like that, and um, they're all insane. <laughs> so you have officially... As of when we're recording this, maybe the day yesterday, um, officially made your crowdfund, right? We have. Yeah, we hit 100% uh, yesterday evening, and uh, now we're at like 102% or something, uh, which is only 13 grand. So it's a micro-budget movie, and then mm-hmm. it's like the budget is going to be that plus my savings, and I'm about to move to Texas, <laughs> moving to Texas for four months to save to save whatever money I would spend on rent in LA um, and add that to the budget. So it's, you know, that plus searching for other investors over the summer, like it's, it's going to be whatever we can do. Um, we'll see where, where, where our cap is, but we're going to shoot in October and hopefully like the, the movie set on Halloween, I guess I should mention Halloween night. And so we're hoping to like steal some free set deck from just like decorations and, and the neighborhood we're shooting in. Yeah. What's it been like trying to find the, place because this is all like new stuff to me i i'm not sure how any of this works especially when you're like you don't have a huge budget right how Mm -hmm. what's um what's the process for like finding locations to shoot in and getting that's straightened out so um the house location where the two uh youth ministers live is going to be our producer's uncle's house um unless he backs out and sees exactly what we're <laughs> going to be doing in there. Uh, but he's been super supportive of the movie so far. So I, I think it's going to work out. Um, so that'll be a free location. And I tried to write the movie with this in mind of like, there's some out on the street scenes, some running around, there's some driving scenes, but like really there's only three major locations. Um, the church, we just scouted like three different churches. We found one that we love um, that, uh, is in Studio City, and it's it's fairly affordable. Um, you know, probably a third of our budget is going to just having like five days of shooting there. We found that on a website called Pure Space. Um, so, <laughs> what it's like Pure Flix, but for buildings? Oh, Pure Space, like like your like peer pressure. Um, your peers, yeah. Oh, peer. I'm like Pure Space. <laughs> it's a Pure Space. It's it's where the Lord dwells. Uh, is it an actual church? It is like, a functioning church. It's a Unitarian church. So, uh, oh, they're so chill. They don't care. Yeah, I mean, we told them it was a horror movie. I was like very reluctant. I was my producer Lauren. She was like, "Don't tell them what the movie's about unless they ask." And I was like, "Okay, we'll see how that goes." And they were like, "Can I ask the subject matter?" And I'm like. Yeah, there's demons everywhere. Like the Antichrist is maybe going to pop up at some point. Uh, lots of blood, and they're like, "That sounds awesome." Like we were, yeah. <laughs> like I guess a previous renter had been like, "This would be great for a horror movie," and they've been waiting for someone to come in and shoot a horror movie. So I think we found the right place. Yeah, that's awesome. I dude, it'd be so cool if you went there to go to like go back and watch. I mean, people like watching movies that were shot in the cities that they're from. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. just seeing that one state capital in the background or something is like interesting so to see something shot where you would go to church on sundays would be pretty cool yeah uh it'll be very accessible (laughs) and i mean i've been out to like where in van nuys where they shot the office just to like stare at it and be like wow that's where the office was um yeah i do all that stuff so for sure i feel like this is a noble pursuit because catholics get a uh like an unfair ratio of horror movies 
Yes. You know, that are really for them. And like, we need more evangelical ones. Like we deserve it. That's what I'm hoping. So many horrors. Yeah. I mean, I, I was as scared of demons as anybody growing up and, and yet there's no, the only time I've seen somebody speak in tongues in a movie is like Borat. (laughs) Like (laughs) it's never been portrayed the way, uh, I I've experienced it. So, uh, I think it's time that we get our own horror movie. That's actually a good point, Casey, because it is always Catholics, but the only people I've ever met who are still dealing with the fear of demons from how they grew up is just evangelical. So the only one still talking about it, thinking about it. Catholics are like, yeah, no, we were told about that stuff, but obviously I don't think that's real. Like Catholicism's over. Like nobody wants to do that. <laughs> you it's heard it so here first. Boring. It's yeah, so you know, like canceled Catholicism. Even when uh, you know, evangelical people eventually like you turn their way back into church, like they're all going to like Orthodox, like Latvian Orthodox Church. Or right. Nobody's going to Catholic. Nobody's like signing up for Catholicism at this point if they don't already have a reference for it. Some are your time is done. It's, it's <laughs> our time to be in the spotlight. This is like an anonymous yeah. video, like targeted at the Catholic Church. Yeah. <laughs> it's our turn to be. It's <laughs> our turn to be a dying version of Christianity. It's our turn. We can be. Scary you know, a little too. bit of bad press would probably do them in. <laughs> Doesn't take much. Yeah, just a gust of wind. Well, hey, at least even even jungles are finally getting their fair share of sex scandals. So, oh, is that right? What's what are the big ones? Oh uh, well, a new <laughs> one just came out. <laughs> A new one just came out. Maybe not the same type of sex scandal, but sexual harassment. Ah. Okay. Well, Christianity like, Today. Yeah, that that's publication. A big they had apparently like a real problem with sexual harassment, and it was kind of institutional and protected. Oh wow! I saw like yeah. a thirty-second clip of somebody talking about it, so I, I'm fuzzy on detail. Yeah. <laughs> did you guys? You got the clip. Though. Did y'all know about the, like the Lakeland, Florida revival that happened and like? I want to say like 2001 or two, somewhere around there. No, I think so. I think that when people, you could tune into that one, 2000. Yeah, you could no, watch it. No, no, that was too early. That was too early. Okay. They were live streaming it. My church would watch it. And I was just thinking about it recently. I was talking to my dad and uh, I was like, yeah, what happened with that? Like, where did that go? It was like such a big deal at the time. And my dad's like, oh, it all just like kind of fell apart because the main guy just started having sex with a bunch of people. And, and <laughs> that's always that. And it was like the third. We we're just talking about the old days, and like all these churches, and like, oh yeah, everybody started cheating on each other, and it was just a big mess. And, uh, just like <laughs> no institution is immune from uh, these stories, and and no, yeah. So congratulations. There was a whole, like for all if there is pastors listening, like. The sexual harassment storyline is played out. You need to think outside the box, all right? Like, maybe start murdering your older parishioners for life insurance money or something. Give us something interesting. You got nothing know, to work with. Definitely need something new. I There was this one, um, Tyler, I don't, I want to say it was Florida, but I can't remember. It maybe was around like 2008, nine, ten, maybe 2007. I don't know, but it was like, it, this it was a constant stream it was a revival and the guy was like this is it was around the time that i started getting in um into like that charismatic shit but i was still on the fence that a bunch of people i knew were like have you seen this like it's a revival god's doing these mm-hmm. crazy things and this guy's over there like healing people and 
all that kind of shit, taking people out of wheelchairs and letting them they're, now they're walking. And I, I forgot about it until literally just now when I conflated this with what you were talking about. I cannot remember for the life of me what it was, but it was like a big deal. For Did him. the guy have a shaved head and like a red beard? Do you remember what he looked like? Like kind of a big chunky dude. Cause that was uh, the Lakeland, Florida guy. And now I'm thinking like, am I just misremembering what part? Uh, Cause I think it was, it must've been a few years later than, than 2002 because I was 12 then and we didn't even have the church yet. And we definitely streamed it into the church my parents had. So we're probably talking about the same thing. Yeah, we might be Lakeland. I'm, I'm going to Google it while we're talking. The Lakeland revival. Um, yeah. Lakeland, Florida revival. Florida. And there were all these cases of like people would come in and, not need their glasses anymore and they would like get out of wheelchairs and not need their crutches anymore like all these fresh fire fresh fire is that what it's called i think so Controversy. yeah 2008 2008 okay, yeah we're so talking about way later one. than what i was thinking yeah um it's all a blur to me but oh man i'm gonna definitely read through this entire wikipedia article as soon as we're done here it's fascinating <laughs> there was a kid in my church i remember um, cause what they would do on the live stream is they, this is like early days for live streaming too. Um, they would call out a name. He'd be like, I'm, I'm hearing like Jonathan. And it's like thousands of people are listening and you pick a name like yeah. Jonathan. It's like, there's going to be like 50 Jonathan's watching. Um, and, and they would describe a problem. You're going through something. And, and this kid at my church, like he had his glasses on and they're like, they would, like through the live stream, like somehow got healed of the need for his glasses. And, and then like two weeks later, I see him again at church and he's wearing his glasses again. And I'm just like, Oh my God. What happened, man? <laughs> like It was uh, a big turning point for me. Like, wait, is this not actually yeah. happening? It was temporary. Yeah. yeah. God doesn't want to heal it completely. It's, it's like a D it's a, um, discount laser eye surgery is essentially what it was. So. <laughs> Some criticism stemmed from some of Todd Bentley's unorthodox practices, which included shouting "Bam, bam!" while praying for the sick, testifying <laughs> to having had visions of an angel named Emma. Come okay. on, Emma. The downfall of uh, stuff like this is getting really specific. You know, it's like that is yeah. a problem. <laughs> or yeah, you you. You swing too hard for the fence. This says Bentley's most controversial claims consisted of over 25 cases where he said the dead were raised away from the stage. Yep. Yeah. I remember people talking about, because all the people that was like, who I knew were into it, like believed in all that. And they were like, it's real. And we've seen it. We're watching the revival and it's happening. And why, why would all these people be lying and making it up? And you realize that some people who might like you're now, that I'm hearing it from you, that kid with the glasses. Like people go to these things now. Like if your legs don't work, they're not going to just magically start working. So that's probably staged. If that happened there, I might just be making that one up. But if you see like people go up, they might just be like, "I have chronic pain," and then in the moment, mm -hmm. they're like, "My pain's gone," and it might actually yeah. be. And that's sensation. That's how our. That's how shit just works sometimes when you have that sensationalized. I went like, to a, a hypnotism show uh, recently in L.A just uh, the comedian I knew was putting it on and uh, I was just curious and it was great, but it was like the closest feeling to one of those old charismatic meetings where he brought like 15 people up on stage and he's like, close your eyes. Like you're getting sleepier. You're getting so calm. It's the calmest you ever felt in your life. You could go down, down, down. Like it's like part meditation, but then also having them do things. I'm like, this is 
so much like the church I went went to growing up. <laughs> like this is what that felt like. Like you close your like it's this meditative headspace you're put into after you've listened to an hour of music. You've just chilled the fuck out. Like like it's suggestibility and mm. and you also just want it to be true. Like you really want it. And so of course, and you're surrounded by people who are all watching you and they're expecting it to work. And so if they're asking you like, do you not have a headache anymore? Like, has that gone away? Then like, you are very likely in that state of mind to agree. Oh, for sure. Yeah, dude, more churches should have a drunk heckler, like thrown into the mix. (laughs) And see how well they maintain that state. (laughs) This is Let's let's do the crowd work. Yeah. <laughs> no good those passes are crowd work. Yeah, nobody Sir, I've asked you to be quiet. I told them to stop serving you. I'm gonna have to ask you to leave. Oh, just uh, a second note on the uh, Lakeland revival. Todd Bentley was known to forcefully kick, hit, smack, or knock over participants. In one incident, a man was knocked over and lost a tooth. In another, an elderly woman was intentionally kicked in the face. <laughs> Oh no! Why do these things always play out this way? And why do they always have to use force on people like that? I don't know. Uh, Trevor Baker, who had invited Bentley to the Revival Fires Church in Dudley, UK, also defended these actions, saying he never does anything like that without first asking for the person's permission. So, oh, can I get you? The old lady was consenting. That's pretty dope. I didn't know the Holy Spirit was really that good. Yeah. He just saw so Fight Club. It's like, or she just saw <laughs> Fight Club. I want you to hit me in the face as hard as you I can. Want you to hit me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's the next movie you have to make is Fight Club, but for old people. Yeah. Just the sequel to I Fight like Club. This. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is current day Brad Pitt. Yeah, I think Edward Norton's old enough now. We don't have Meatloaf with us anymore. Uh, R.I.P. Meatloaf. Uh, Dang, Robert Paulson. Well, man, well, what's next for the movie? Like, what's uh, what's next on the schedule, and and when do you get started? So prep is going to start pretty much immediately um, after the campaign is over, uh, which is next week from when we're recording. Um, so then we go into a lot of casting, which I've cast four people so far but i'm i have you know 20 more people to cast after that um so that'll be an extensive process i'm gonna be doing it from texas all like via zoom doing auditions that way um and then yeah finalizing our locations rewriting the script and uh and then i'll move back in august for two more months of prep before we shoot in october so lots to do um but yeah we just got a production designer on board who it's going to have a lot of like satanic artwork to create and uh, uh, yeah, so much to do. But um, can I ask you one more question? I don't want to keep you forever, but yeah, I'm no, curious as how, um, how, ca- how like casting, right? I know you're, you're obviously working on a tighter budget and you, how, how does even reaching out to people, you have to, do you like cast a wide net? Do you ask people specifically? Do you put out casting calls? What's the casting situation? Like? I haven't done any casting calls. I um, we are probably going to do one for some of the like youth group kids though, because that's uh, I just don't have a lot of comedy friends who are between the ages of like eighteen and twenty two that can look like a high schooler. Um, it would raise questions. <laughs> yeah, it would. And so uh, uh, a lot of the cast so far has come. I produced my friend's feature last year. And so a, a lot of people have come from that. Um, I performed stand-up and sketch comedy live out here for like, you know, eight years now. So just I'm just really pulling okay. from like a group of friends I've made and people I've worked with on, on other projects. 
Um, but yeah, the, the teenagers is going to be the tough thing because we're going to do a, it's going to be a SAG ultra low budget so we can have union actors. But that means that we have like restrictions on like the time you can have minors on set. They can only work for eight, okay. eight hours. Whereas, you know, you normally go beyond that for a shoot day. So we're just trying to find people in their early twenties who look, can you know, look high school. Um, where, where does like, so you guys finish the movie, you're ready to put it out. Like, how do you distribute something like this? Do you do it independently or do you have an organization that's going to do it for you? That's a big question mark right now. Um, I, there are some distributors who will like take submissions. Ideally you do well at festivals. You submit to like 20 different festivals. You win an award at one. There's a distributor who's on the hunt for like cheap indies they can buy and turn an easy profit. Um, but it's a really, really hard time right now for indie movies to get any kind of visibility. Um, so thank you for letting me come on here and talk about this. <laughs> um, yeah, what, all what, 30 of our folks will be, <laughs> you know, sometimes that's what it takes to get a snowballing. Grassroots. What is it about now that's harder for indie get, films getting visibility than maybe previously? Uh, streaming services have just okay. so yeah. many, op- like, you know, like, Tarantino started like well, I no, he's not a good example. Uh better example is um who made clerks? Uh um Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith, yeah. Like he got his friends together, like used the place that he worked, like spent a few thousand bucks. Like that's like the classic nineties uh indie story, that trajectory. He somehow got it seen and got it in theaters and got theatrical distribution and like like became a big filmmaker. Like that story just doesn't really happen as much anymore. Now you make a movie and like Sundance gets like 4,000 submissions of movies every year. Like people are making movies. People are making movies everywhere. And so, and the fact that Amazon, Netflix, Hulu, all these places exist are, are great. uh, But it just means that there's, and also picking up a camera. It's, it's just so affordable now. Um, It's a good thing Mm -hmm. and a bad thing because yeah, you can do it for 30 grand, 40 grand, but but there's like, you're just beside an army of other people trying to do the same thing. Yeah. So can everybody else. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's, that's the main issue is just, okay. It's uh, the democratization, which is a beautiful thing, but then you just have to deal with uh, competition. Well, you have a unique premise. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, you're, so I think that's, that's awesome. I can't, I'm, I'm wicked excited for it, man. Uh, I think you still owe me a prophecy. If I'm, I'm going to send you a prophecy. I do. Yeah. Anybody <laughs> who, who donates uh, $50 or more to the campaign is going to get a prophecy. Uh, I've been so busy trying to like pack my stuff up. I am behind in the prophecies, but you're going to get one. Rest assured. Uh, I foresee that you'll get one. It's going to be if great. I can make a suggestion. Prophesy Don't. hair loss. Jesus Christ! He's. I mean, you're. You don't like getting a haircut. Like, it might be a great change for your life. Yeah, your girlfriend won't like it. Your wife. Yeah, it's a fucked up thing to say to Casey. I don't want to do that. I foresee that your prophecy will be about something else. Don't worry. Maybe my beard could come in better. More like yours, Tyler. Yeah, yeah. You know, you win some, you lose some. It's classic. I mean. The people who lose their hair and also can't grow facial hair and they just have to keep everything clean shaven. It looks weird. I mean, you have eyebrows. That's the only thing you get going on your face for hair. No offense to our listeners who are beardless and hairless. Yeah. I don't mean to offend. That guy from Barry's got a hat. All I'm saying is wear a hat. That's it. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's why God made made hats. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Tyler, it's been a blast talking to you, man. We're yeah, very excited great. about your movie. Um, really excited that Alyssa's going to be a part of it. Yeah, Good she's so great. Putting a like bottle in that lightning, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be amazing. I'm very excited for people to see this, for her to be in it, and uh, yeah, I, I've like when I was rewriting, I was like, I want to write this specifically for her and um, to see what to harness that energy. So, yeah, where can people go to find out more about it? Um, our seed and spark will be done by the time this comes out. Um, but honestly, just go to my website, tylereaton.net. Um, and like all my stuff is on there. You'll, you'll see the link to the, uh, you can watch our pitch video, like right on the front of my website. And there's a link if you want to like read about it. Um, and, uh, yeah, if you happen to be a very rich person who just is looking to, uh, launder some money through an indie movie or something, like <laughs> my emails on there, we'll be, we'll be trying to invest more over the summer, uh, or not invest, but find investors. Um, or if you just want to reach out and, uh, you know, chat about this movie. Uh, my email's on there. You need like a former United Brethren Bitcoin bro to just like <laughs> blast this project with funds. That would be great. Yeah, some former Westboro Baptist people. Um, I'll take anybody. <laughs> Friends and neighbors. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, thanks for listening. And we will talk to you next time.